Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. So use your word today as a lamp unto our feet and a good seed planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit and a harvest of a life that others could come and nourish themselves with. It's not only for us, Lord. Allow this word to grow things in our life that will benefit others, Lord. Give us a godly perspective. Give us a godly sight. Give us visions and dreams that we might rejoice even in the darkest times of our life. Allow our children to be those world changers that see things from God's point of view, God's perspective, that anything that happens in this life, all things work for the good of those that are called and to glorify an opportunity to lift your name up high. This word, let it be, Father God, a double-edged sword that cuts into our, who we are to divide the thoughts from the spirit, oh God, the soul from the spirit, and allow us to flourish and be fruitful and to multiply and glorify you and praise your name upon the earth, Lord. We give you thanks and we know that you're going to do way, way above, beyond what we pray and ask. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalm 19, verse 1, pretty much tells us what to do in the midst of our experience upon the earth. All of creation declares the glory of the Lord. Everything God has made has a declaration of bringing glory to God. We have been severed from the life of God. That means we have been cut away. And so much of the time that we spend declaring has nothing about glory and a lot of shame, darkness, and unfortunately, the conversations we have are ugly. Ugly in the sense that we, we uh, disclose or dismember or we, we take away the things that reveal God's hand. Um, and, and I got to a place in my life where uh, I began to separate myself from people that are doom and gloom. All they, they, their, their brightest thoughts in the world have to do with something that is far from the heart of God. So I remember um, even some family members, I called them up and set them aside, I got to talk to you. Uh, we've known each other all my life, I'm 40 years old now, and uh, every time I gather with you, every, every conversation we have is so ugly, it's so dark, you're always criticizing, you're always speaking negative, you're, you you have decided to be bent on that which is not good. And every time I come around you, I feel like you're vomiting on me. And guess what? Today, I told her, I draw a line. Today, I decide no more darkness. No more things negative. No more things critical. No more things that, that damage my way of thinking and, and living. So from now on, I will never again come around you. Those are some tough words. Came to the conclusion that God wanted me to behold beauty and not have my head stuck in the gutter and in the toxic um, toilet, constantly looking at the bad side and, and the, 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 the twisted side of life. And I said, now watch this. There's nothing personal about it. That means I don't dislike you. I don't 
have feelings that are negative towards you, but whenever you need me to help you do something, or if any time you could think of that, that you don't have somebody, please call me because I'll be the first one to come. So that, that nature of splitting away from the darkness because God has us dwelling in his everlasting light. God, there's not one thing that God created that has the tendency towards that which is not beautiful. All things declare his glory. The heavens declare his glory and everything that pertains to the sky above Let's read that. I don't know why they took the verse down. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19, verse 1. The declaration of glory and the proclamation of his, the works of his hands are seen in the skies above. Um, you ask yourself, how do we get to stick our head in the gutter? How is it that we're, we have more tendency to look at the things that are not beautiful than the things that are. I'll tell you what happened in this church about five years ago. Some lady came in on Sunday morning. She had a beautiful dress. She had beautiful jewelry, beautiful shoes, beautiful purse. And the person that greeted her at the door says, man, you're having a horrible day with your hair. That was the greeting. I'm the pastor of this church. And I went, <gasps> How could people be so evil? Ask your neighbor, how could they be so evil? Because they refuse. They refuse to look and contemplate on that which is beautiful. There's always something beautiful. And if you're stuck on stinking thinking, you can't find anything. You're stuck on seeing everything twisted, everything dark, everything negative. You highlight those things that are, that are improper and people don't want to see. Uh, I've told people, uh, just a gentleman came into my office last week. I said, brother, you have your head in the trash can. And I gave him a literal expression. I took my wastebasket and I put it on my head. Listen, what pastors do to get the message across and that thing was dripping all oozing crap all over me. And I says, this is how you live your life. Because you refuse to take your head out of the trash can. To me, it's, and, and somebody was there in my office. It was Pastor Oscar. He was like, Pastor, don't do that. But I have to. And my question is, how come if God has created man to contemplate that which is beautiful, to highlight that which is the handiwork the proclamation of his hands. Now, here's a couple of things just for those of you that are stuck and you can't get your head out of the trash can. Watch this. In the realm that God has created, and we will define beautiful as that which is attractive. Um, uh, the state in which you become attractive. Some of you think that the more stinky you get, the more horrible your thoughts and your words and your actions are, you're going to attract people. Listen to me. The only thing you might attract are flies. And flies usually gathers around crap, the rotten things, the corrupt things. So none of us were created to expose that which is not beautiful. And so here it is. You tell me what these things have in common. In the physical realm, the things that are most 
attractive are flowers. Who created flowers? In their amazing design and complexity of description. Well, when you gather flowers, um, you could gather a lot of them, and there's nothing more beautiful than a garden. Some of you need to go home right after this preaching and start a garden because your life is so bitter and so twisted that you have no occasion to see anything that's beautiful. And you should surround yourself with beauty. That is God's purpose. The trees that blossom, the design in the animals God has created, waterfalls, mountain peaks, the star, the moon, Space, when you get out there with a microscope and you begin to observe these things, there's not one thing out there that you say, ooh, que feo. No, it's wow, ah, leaving you awesomely blown away by the beauty and the lavish expanse of his creation. The, if you put on a snorkel and a mask, and you go to the depth of the sea, you don't say, que feo, ooh. You're like, wow, I didn't know that this was here. Look how beautiful the fish, the coral. I was down there one time, and we were uh, scuba diving. We were snorkeling, and, and we've done both. And, and we're like, Lord, if we're not, this is not our habitat. This is not where the realm of man's life. Why didn't you just make everything down here ugly? Why didn't you just make fish black and white? Why didn't you make the coral just brown? And you see fiery red coral. You see yellow, bright, radiant coral. You see starfish that are bright orange. You see fish with all the designs. God actually took his time to, to pinpoint things that are spectacular. And do we understand the realm where we have fallen, that everything is ugly? That we don't recognize the gardens, the flowers, the stars, the moon? Listen, when you become a Christian, and this happened to my mom, the day she gave her heart to the Lord, everything brightened in color. She went driving home like saying, look, the trees are actually green. The sky is actually blue. The clouds are bright white. And she had a total transformation by the Spirit of the Lord. She came home and she told her husband he was good looking. <laughs> that was awesome. You know, I thought I was going to leave you, but now the Lord lets me see your beauty. And I, I ask you for forgiveness because I thought you had nothing to offer in my life. And now in the Spirit of the Lord, I see a beautiful marriage. I see a beautiful family. I see a beautiful ministry. I see the hand of God. This is the spirit of the Lord, the underwater kingdom, the sunrise and the sunset. How many have gone to the Keys? How many have gone to Fort Myers and, and, and the, the, that West Coast? And you're like, I'm not going to Miami. I went there like last week. I said, I'm not going to Miami until I see a beautiful sunset. And every day there's a different sunset. Every day a different portrait. You don't have to be gloom and doom and the devil has taken away and stripped you from the beauty of the Lord it says that there are paintings how many love to to see people paint and to marvel at the beauty of a painting to be able to enjoy 
uh, this expression. The beauty of books, things that are written, architectural design. How about if we build all the buildings, I see, fail. Nothing special. Architectural buildings, the design, engineering, it's fabulous. Art in its many expressions, jewelry, the shapes of diamonds, rubies, emeralds. Are we, are we understanding that in the vast expanse of his creation, we have been severely stripped of that which God intended for us to walk in? Paradise islands, beaches, the fashioning of our wives as women. The beauty, these guys are twisted, never being able to find anything beautiful about their wives. You know, in, in ancient times, real men used to adorn their wives with so much beauty that they would bring their wives out to say, look, this is the expression of my manhood. I, I have the ability, uh, in Spanish, hermosiad, to beautify. I'm not going to allow any beautician to make my wife pretty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my wife, listen, it's my job to make you, and you guys know this, the most beautiful woman in the world, my wife. Wherever I go, all over the world, I say, guys, you want to see my character and my manhood? Behold, Yvette. Behold what is the expression of my faithfulness. I'm not going to sit there and look at the Kardashians. Are you crazy? My job is to make my wife the most beautiful woman in the world. And when she's walking, everybody knows. It's like, whoo, what plastic surgery is that? There's no plastic surgery. It's the anointing of God's spirit. It's the joy of the Lord. The Bible says an inward. You, you got all these guys trying to, let's read that in 1 Peter 3, 3. He says, hey, guys, don't try to make things beautiful on the outside and they're rotten on the inside. Don't let your beauty merely be outward. Your hair, your jewelry, putting on nice clothes, and then when you open your mouth, bleh, curse words, insults, criticism, nothing beautiful, nothing gentle. Verse 4 says, it's not the outward, but rather the inward person of the heart. The most beautiful, listen to me, incorruptible beauty. What is that? Gentleness, a quiet spirit. Quit being so loud, so opinionated, so boisterous. That is not beautiful in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is looking for those that are gentle and quiet spirit, which is very beautiful in the sight of God. Super, listen, remember beauty, attractive. You see a flower, you draw near. Que rico. You see a painting, you draw near. You see the fish in the sea, you want to close, get closer. So the beauty of the Lord is something that causes attraction and not an outward you know, display of deception. So the beauty of God is an expression. We continue on and, and we, we, we enter now into our wives, um, our babies that are birthed. They, uh, there's never been an ugly baby. It's like, listen to me, it's beautiful. The guy's all messed up. It's like, you see a beautiful baby. 
And then families are beautiful. When you see any family, husband, wife, and children, people are like, something's up there. Something attractive is up there. Hey, how is it that you guys stay in that brightly shining expression? So attractive. They, They say the invisible sometimes is more beautiful than the visible. The invisible more beautiful than the visible? Yes. The most beautiful, attractive thing upon the earth is something called compassion. When somebody cares about somebody else. When you go out of your way to meet somebody else's need, there's nothing more attractive than that. I I want to be around people that care about other people and see the beauty of compassion. There's nothing more beautiful than the expression of love. The unmerited favor towards those that that might not deserve it. Jesus says, love your enemies. What's that mean? That's super attractive, my friend. When, When somebody doesn't deserve your sentiment in their favor, that's called love and the opposite, selfishness. To not do that, to withhold your own affections, things non-visible that are beautiful. How many have ever heard uh, uh, words? You can't see them, but you can tell when you're like, ay, que lindo. I, I like the way that person opens their mouth and displays the articulation of eloquence. They don't open their mouth with foolishness. The same thing, the ugliest things I've seen is that, oh yeah, you, you're having a bad hair day. I mean, how is that conceivable? That that would come out as a greeting to one of your sisters at church that shows up in the morning. How is it that you didn't, you weren't able to overlook? There's just no love. There's no expression of that which is pleasant in the Lord's eyes. And, and, and some people cannot. Music, un, non-visible beauty. You just close your eyes, you're not looking at it, and you listen to music, and it'll pull you out a lot of times of the pit. It'll pull you out of sentiments that are dark and disgusting. Songs, music, instruments. And there it was that God in the beginning, Genesis 1 verse 10, as he's doing all things, there's one thing that he continues to repeat after everything he does. He says, and God saw that it was beautiful. God saw that it was attractive. God saw that it was good, that it was pleasing That everything God does has an expression of saying, you know something? This is awesome. This is thumbs up. This is is favorable. As he creates the, the, the stars, the moon, the sky, the sun, he finishes not only in verse 10, we have also in verse 12, two verses down. He creates a matter of other things. He brought out a fruit and the trees. And after he did all the expression of the creation of the fruit, of the trees, of the blossoming according to its kind, apples, pears, oranges, he saw that it was beautiful. He saw that this is awesome. This is is the manner in which God moves. Um, It says from glory to glory. Uh, Beautiful things express the glory of the Lord. And he does things from creation to creation. And there's not a manner in time where he's going to rebel and say, this stinks. Or this is horrible. Or I don't like this. That's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is he saw and what he saw was good. In verse um, 21, 
He creates some more stuff in his creation. God created the great sea creatures, the dolphins, the whales, and all those that surrounded the waters according to its kind. And he created the birds. There's nothing more beautiful than to see a bird up in its, in its, its expression of graceful flying. And God looked at it and saw it's beautiful. It's good. It's glorious. It's pleasing. I, I enjoy this. Verse 25. We're still in chapter 1 of Genesis, and God continues to take things from beauty to beauty. And he creates the beast of the earth. And I marvel sometimes when I see the animals with all their markings, with all their spots, with all their different expressions according to its kind, cattle, every creeping thing, lizards. Uh, yesterday we were uh, on this side of the door, and the doors were closed, and a big lizard just kept on coming out. It's a green head and a blue tail. And I was like, wow. God, you're so awesome. How does this thing get the expression of beauty? And those things that creep upon the earth. And God saw it and he said it's attractive, it's beautiful, it's pleasing. And so we have the last one in verse 31. And he finishes it off because God will always top the best of his beauty. And he says that God saw everything he had made. And now he doesn't say, and he saw it and he said it was good. And he saw it and indeed... It was very good. When he finished all of creation, God gave a thumbs up of an expression of beauty that's bizarre. And so there it is, Psalm 90, verse 17. What we should walk in, and for some people are deficient and declined, is walking, let the beauty of the Lord rest upon us. Let the beauty of God, the Lord our God, be upon us. We should be making, you should have seen me before I was a Christian. Carlos, you know, right? Ugly. But I come to Christ and every year more beautiful, more handsome, more, listen to me, more attractive. Why? Because there's something about God that he beautifies all things. And so you shouldn't be the ugly duckling. El pato McPhail. Where you're like, oh, nobody loves me, and I'm ugly. And I... That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Don't let the devil come and speak to you. There it is. Let the beauty, raise one hand, please. Father, I pray right now that your beauty rest upon us. That your beauty rest upon our thoughts, our words, our actions, our families, our finances of ministry, that we become so attractive that people will know that we are your people. We no longer want to walk in the shadows of the gloom and doom of destruction. We pray and declare that you will take us from glory to glory, and the people will notice the garments of praise upon our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. And you never let go of that. You don't dare the devil come and question what God has done establish he says lord as your beauty is upon us then fulfill the works of our hands establish what you want to do through us in psalm 27 verse 3 when we're ever going to be battled against is god the devil wants to strip you of your beauty of the excellence of what god wants to do in your life and so here the psalmist understands that there's one game plan against everything the devil wants to do and he says, though the entire host of hell come against me, my heart will never fear. I won't be moved sentimentally. 
I'm not going to be moved in my affections. Though there's a war that rises against me, in this will be my confidence. In this, I'm going to be victorious. In what? And I'm going to be able to go into the house of the Lord, verse 4, and I'm going to contemplate. I'm going to grab on to the beauty of the Lord. I'm not going to let the devil bring me down the gutter, flush me down the toilet, introduce me in every moment in my life to see the curvature of things twisted. One thing I've desired. Listen to me. There's There's a whole army coming against you. All of hell is rising up in your home. Listen to me. Turn to your wife and you say, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And brother, that devil's gone like this. That devil's lost. One thing I've desired, that I will seek the Lord. He says, one thing I have desired and this one thing I will seek. I'm going to go to the house of the Lord all the days of my life to be reminded of the beauty of the Lord. To ask me how I can see things from his perspective. Lord, show me redemptive value in the things that pertain what God is trying to strip me of. Let me not be stripped of these things. Verse 5, he says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me in that secret place. He will hide me. And he shall set me high upon a rock. I'm not going down the valley, down the gutter, down the slippery slope to the devastation of everything dark, twisted, ugly. This is a different perspective. This is God's perspective. Beholding the beauty of the Lord means to hold on to everything that is attractive to God. You know that that's where the devil was able to really wreck human life. I I, I have an issue, and, and this is my issue. And it just came up this week. I said, how we make other things more attractive than the beauty of the Lord. How we remove ourselves from that which is permanent and solid and then go and, 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 and bestow beauty upon perishing things that have no ability to pull you out of the pit. And, and there's where we're observing these things. If you go with me to Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, this is the devil's game plan, Right? He wants to twist beauty and put your eyes on things that are not beautiful. To take them away from God's things and put them on things that are passing and prohibited and things that are not good. A man who goes to look for another woman. He's looking for beauty outside the realm of the beauty that God has given him and his wife. I have phone calls every week of men who cheat on their wives. You want to know something? Because the devil tries to introduce something that's a falsity in beauty. Something that is not. Something that's the calamity of hell. The Bible says more bitter than death is to put your eyes upon the wrong woman. To put your eyes on the wrong woman introduces you to devil's game plan in your life. But here, when the woman saw she was contemplating the wrong beauty, the prohibited forbidden fruit, the tree was good for food, that it was beautiful to the eyes, that it was desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and she also gave it to her husband and he ate. How, and, and this, is, this is the challenge today. Is the devil putting a carrot between the donkey's nose and luring him away from true beauty. From the essence of what God intended for him to celebrate. She had all the trees of the garden. 
She could have eaten out of any one, but the devil made that one attractive. He, he made her contemplate not the beauty of the Lord and the expanse of his purpose, but she fell into the trap and led her family into that destruction. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was attractive. In Lot chapter Genesis 13, the life of Lot, Genesis 13 verse 10, as he was following Abraham and the beautiful call and the will of God for his life, he, he set his eyes upon Sodom. Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered. His eyes attracted him away from God's purpose. And this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. As he looked at that place, it looked like the Garden of Eden, like the Garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zohar. He was able to be attractive by those things that were not declared beautiful by God. He wasn't in the, in the sanctuary of the Lord asking the Lord, Lord, show me. Show me the things that are pleasing to your eyes. Show me what you want me to do that will lead me in the direction I should go. And so we know Eve bit the dust and led her family to destruction. Lot was attracted to things. Uh, there it is in verse 11. After he saw that it was like the Garden of Eden, Lot chose for himself this area. And they separated from each other. He was cut off of the lineage of blessing of Abraham. It all starts with the attraction, with the deception of things not beautiful before the Lord, not pleasing, that have no glory in it. Um, in our legal studies, as I studied law many years ago, there was something called an attractive nuisance. That means something that was so beautiful, it caused little children to go over and play with dangerous instrumentality. And you were in trouble if you put something attractive for children that led to their death. And many of us are doing that spiritually to our children. We're making things more attractive that have no return. Yesterday I was showing a friend of mine, look at this father. He is wearing paraphernalia, athletic paraphernalia from his head to his toes. He's marched with all the stripes of his team. He's wearing his team's colors. His whole family is wearing the team's colors. And that is more exciting than what is beautiful in the sight of God. What we're seeing here in the house of the Lord, men and women bringing their children to be at the feet of Jesus and beholding his beauty and understanding that we're not to have stinking thinking. But if you take your kids for 20 years, and my uncle did that before he committed suicide. The only thing he did with his son is to take him to every UM football game and to every Dolphin game. And he never took him to the house of the Lord. Never took him to contemplate that which is beautiful. And so imagine how dark life gets that he takes his life two years ago. My uncle, an engineer, a bright honor student, graduate from the University of Miami, a starlight engineer in Miami, takes his life because the devil took him to a closed, 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 no way out, darkness, dark tunnel, and he took his life without seeing the expression of his children or his children's children or the legacy of beauty that God had for him. Lot, the same thing. He got disconnected. We see David, the best and the brightest, Samuel, 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It happened that David one day didn't go to war, didn't fight the battle of the Lord. He went out to his balcony, and he started looking for beautiful, attractive things. In modern day, we could call this pornography. 
He's looking out there to find beautiful attraction. And it says that it happened in the springtime at the time when kings are supposed to go out to battle that David sent his servant Joab and his other soldiers and all of Israel. And they begin to fight the battles. But David remained at Jerusalem. Verse 2. What's he doing in Jerusalem? He's contemplated the wrong beauty. It happened one evening that he gets up out of bed and he walks up on the king's roof in the king's house. And from the balcony of the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a woman that was very beautiful to behold. What happens when us Christians have our eyes and attraction on things disconnected from the purpose of God? Darkness comes, destruction He begins to, he kills her husband, he commits adultery, he has a a baby out of wedlock. Everything that attracted him to the wrong place led to much destruction. And so what does God want us to do? He wants us today to look at those things that that won't perish. 2 Corinthians 3.18. If we're able to come into the house of the Lord, this one thing that he desired that I might come to the house of the Lord and contemplate the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. I don't want to just do it on Sundays. I want want to have several times where I'm coming in there and I'm saying, Lord, what is the best? We all, say we all. There's no exceptions. Every single one of us. Without anything blocking our view, unveiled faces, we behold as in a reflective mirror the glory of the Lord, the beauty of God. As we see these things, and this is what has changed my life. It wasn't therapy. It wasn't psychiatry. It wasn't religion. It wasn't theology. As I've been able to see God, there's a transforming effect. Because whatever you contemplate in beauty, that's what you become. Everything that's going on in this world that's twisted. Uh, The guys that are going around dressing like zombies, where do you think that happened? Because that's where their eyes were. That's what attracted them. That's why they became curious. Yesterday I was seeing some young men. He had an underwear on. It said zombie. Zombie underwears? Really? Wow. Isn't that crazy? Well, guess what? In this world, whatever you look at, that's what you become. Whatever's twisted and you're looking at it and it attracts you and it's, it's alluring you. But our promise is that if we look at the glory of the Lord, if we contemplate... Uh, the, the expression of not insulting somebody. This is when I first became a Christian. I saw Christians. They, the bad things would happen to them, and, and they're like, you know, I'm sorry. I said, wait a second. You didn't do anything. He did. Yeah, but the expression of beauty was something that was so attractive. I said, I want to be like that man. I want to be able to be forgiving. I want to be able to, to, to have a relationship not broken, being transformed into the glory and the image. The Bible says, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. This expression, now listen to me, I'm not there yet, and those of you that know me real close know I'm not there yet, but one thing I desire is that my every expression would be pleasing, would be attractive. That we could walk in such a way that the people say, something's different is happening in that person's life. And you know what? We want to be around it. And so Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that everything that God makes, it, its end result, he has made, say with me, everything. everything. Beautiful in his time. Everything attractive. Every word, every thought, every intention, every attitude. We, we don't have the right to be ugly in our affairs. Uh, the other day I had to call a police officer. I had a, 
an incident, and they were stealing from me, and I, I would call the cops and say, listen, I want to report a theft. And so the cops came, and the owner of the business that was stealing was also there, and, and the cop says, you know something? This is the most beautiful way that I've ever heard call somebody a thief. I have, I've been a cop for 30 years. I see people go insulting, fights, brawls. He says, Mr. Molina, I, I have to tell you that the way you have called this guy a liar and a thief was the most decent way I have ever seen it done in my 30 years as a cop. I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm attractive. I'll call you a thief, though, but I'll do it politely. <laughs> I'll do it like Jesus would do it. And so... Um, Afterwards, the man came up after like the two-hour scandal, whatever the incident, and, and he came up to me. He says, uh, Mr. Molina, do you still think I'm a thief? I said, yes, sir, but give me a hug. I love you anyways. That, that's attractive. That, that's the spirit of the Lord. I don't have to turn my face like a demon. I don't have to contort and, and projectile vomit because somebody has offended me no I'll do it with a, a smile on my face I love you that we were driving the other day and a guy cut me off I think some of my sons were with me in the car right and I pulled down his window and he says what's wrong with you I said brother I thought you were going to hit me I love you <laughs> he goes okay no animosity beauty attraction find words to describe your sentiment in a manner that is pleasant and so I could only do this. Listen to me. I told my son, listen, a couple years ago, that guy would have, I would have shot him. He deserves a bullet. But not if the beauty of the Lord is in the driver's seat. Not if the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord creates that beauty. And that's been, I want you to memorize this verse. So that when you get ugly, you say, wait, the Lord's not doing this stuff. And if the Lord's not doing this stuff, who is? Eh, malo. Eh, chamuco. The boogeyman, you don't want the boogeyman to use your body. You don't want your, the boogeyman to have the expressions of your sentiments, especially not to your family, especially not to your spouse. Beautiful, Lord. Make me beautiful. Transform me. Let me find out what you want me to do. And, and this, is, this is the expression, Genesis 37.3, where uh, Israel, Jacob, he loves his son. And the expression of his love, of love over his son, Joseph, he says he loved Joseph more than all his other children. And he was the son of his old age. So he, he dressed him in a cloak, a tunic of many colors. Some of you guys are all bitter and sad because your dad didn't have the capacity to beautify you. To be able to tell you the things in your life that made you a champion and to make you strong and to make you valiant. Um, one, one time in my dad's life, uh, he would come over to my house, and he says, you know something? The, the grass is not cut. The window's broken. The gate is not fixed. And, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Time out. When you come over here, you have to at least tell me three things that are good. Then you could tell me all the bad ones. Come and bless my house. Come and tell me what, I, what I've challenged, what I have confronted. And, and he did that. He, he was able to come, and the first couple times he was like biting his tongue. I can't tell him anything bad until I tell him something good. I can't tell him something good. So let me just leave. But then little by little, he would come, and he would say, you know something? I noticed you, you fixed the, the yard for the kids. I noticed that you painted the driveway. And then, but you got to get out there, and, and he would tell me something else. But, but we have the tendency to come and throw buckets of trash and crash and, and filth on people's lives. But here, this father makes a tunic of many colors. He's going to adorn his children with assurance. 
uh, yesterday with my daughter. I, mean, I give practical examples because, um, because they're real. I come into her room, and I see her room's out of place, and I'm going to go and tell her, listen, you're not going anywhere till you figure And I go into the bathroom. I see a beautiful princess. I said, you look nice. And, and to try and highlight, why? So the devil doesn't bring stinking on her heart right before youth group. I'm not, I'm not going to bring sadness upon her heart the day she's going to meet with her youth. So I pick and choose the time. Now, today after church, she's going to get it. She's going to get it. She'll get it with a smile, but she'll get it. So we need to move in that direction. And we, we knowing the heart of God and seeing the tunic of many colors, you know what it does? It sets them apart in an ugly world. It makes them valuable in a world that the, the messages they're getting at school is you're no good, you stink at baseball, you stink at soccer, you stink at your dress, your shoes are ugly, your shirt is not right, your haircut. And so they're, they're getting all the trash thrown on them all day long. They get home and their dad also doesn't have a covering of beauty. And, and guys, you know that God has covered us with beauty in Christ. He says, you're the best of them all. I've taken you out of the trash. I've taken you out of the pit. My favorite verse, uh, 1 Samuel 2.8, it says, God removed us from the dunghill. He took us out of the ash heap. That's where they threw when candles would burn and wood would burn and everything was done. All there was was ashes, and they would grab the ashes and go. They were good for nothing, and they would throw them in a mound. And the Bible says that he raises the poor from the dust and the beggar from the ash heap to set them amongst princes, to make them inherit a throne of beauty, of glory. This is, this is the work of the Spirit of the Lord. He'll tell us many times, Isaiah 52, 1, he says, wake up. Wake up, my people, and clothe yourselves with beauty. Clothe yourself with those things that make you strong. Awake, awake. Put on your strong garments. What are our strength garments? Garments of beauty. Garments that make us stand out as attractive. Jerusalem, holy city. There's not going to be any more people that are ugly in your midst, unclean. They shall no longer come to this place. That's why I have a pet peeve with, with torn jeans, with people that walk around with the, listen, they're $100 jeans, and they have holes all over them. I'm like, no, those are not garments of praise. They're not beautiful. They're tattered and torn. That's what the devil wants. He's made it a fashion. I don't care if you don't say amen. I'll say amen. amen. He's made torn garments, the Kardashians. They're created to, to show forth the glory of God. And they're, they're, the devil has made that whole thing ugly. He's put a stench on what God created beautiful. Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice. I'm going to throw a party with the Lord. My soul will be lifted up in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's not. The prodigal son. The, 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 the father didn't. Just, he says, bring me the best garments. Bring me the most attractive clothing. Bring me something that, that, that shows how much I love him. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. Like somebody who's about to get married. I've never seen somebody get married in shabby clothes. As a bride who's ready to adorn, to make herself beautiful with her jewels. And there was um, 
a religion there, it was super legalistic, said all the women have to be ugly. That makes them spiritual. That's not God. You crazy? God wants to make them glorious as women that are adorned, ready to get married. When you look up to the heavens and you see Revelations 21.2, you're going to see the city of God come out of the heavens. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, and she was so beautiful as a bride adorned for her husband. There's some women that think that just because they got married, now they have to be ugly the rest of their life. You better not. You better know that God wants you to look and to express the outward beauty also of somebody who rejoices in what God does. Let's stand today and say, Lord, I want your spirit to be on my life, on my wife's life, on my children's life, on our family. Our family is to display the glory of God in our beautiful context. What does that mean? I'm going to challenge you with something today. I'm going to say this, that we don't know beauty as we're supposed to be seeing it. That you ask God for a vision of the expression of what your family looks like in its full array and splendor of glory. No deficiency. And some of the guys that used to come to my law office for a divorce, and they're like, I don't know why my wife has her face upside down. They're like... Hmm. I'm like, I don't know. The Bible says that a wife is the glory of her husband. That she's reflecting his character. So si el tipo es un feo amargado, what is she? Una fea amargada. She's twisted. And so we say, turn that frown upside down. Jesus is coming. And you're not going. You need to display the glory of the peace of God. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing peace seeing joy, seeing the expressions. Listen to me. One of the ugliest things that the Lord looks down upon the earth and he sees, he says, uh, one of the things that is an abomination, that means not attractive to the Lord, is seeing brothers in discord. When me and my, my, my wife, Yvette, see our children not getting along, that's one of the most ugliest moments in our family. And that's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I mean, Proverbs chapter 6. Let's look it up real quick and because some of you don't believe me. And so we'll, we'll see that the, the things that, that do not please the Lord is when there is strife amongst the brethren. When, when brothers are not getting along, this is not beautiful. And it really brings a stench of verse 16, Proverbs 16, 6. I mean, 6, 16, I'm sorry. 616. These are the seven things, the six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven are something that makes him nauseous. And so when he enumerates all seven things, verse 19 says, one who lies, that's ugly. The Lord doesn't like to see that, a false witness. And one who sows discord amongst the brethren. When you don't get along with family. That is not attractive to the Lord. And, and Jesus said that. He says, when they see your love for one another, they'll see, they'll, they'll know you're my disciples. When they see the beauty of harmony, when they see the beauty of people getting along and people on the same page, 
And so, Father, we thank you tonight. I mean, today, this morning. We thank you that there is an expression of something you define as beautiful. That which is pleasing to you, that which is attractive, that which causes people to come. A lot of people go to the ocean to see the beauty of the fish and the, the wildlife in the sea kingdom. They go to Africa to see the animal kingdom. They get up on a, a microscope, a, a telescope rather, and see the beauty of the stars and the firmament. They get on a microscope and they see the beauty of, of cells and uh, biological living organisms. They see all the beauty surround them and all these things declare your glory. But then you have us, which somehow we missed it. Somehow somebody told us that we were ugly and everybody else is ugly and there's nothing beautiful and there's nothing praiseworthy. But Philippians 4.8 says if there's anything beautiful, if there's anything attractive and pleasing, if there's anything that is good, virtuous, that our thoughts are supposed to be on those things. We pray that we would be transformed and that never again will our children see anything ugly. No pornography, no terror, no, no horror flick. That's not you, Lord. That's the work of Satan. He wants us to behold these things because those are the things that bring us down. He wants us to meditate on these things because those are the things that bring shame and destruction. And you want to dress us with glory. You want us to behold in the sanctuary of the Lord something that will come against all the host of hell that's trying to destroy us. I pray that husbands have beautiful words for their wives. I pray that wives have respectful and beautiful words for their husbands. I pray that our children would obey and get along together and that they see that they have the burden to carry the beauty of the Lord to this rotten generation where everything is twisted and upside down. And I pray as you look at our lives, you see that things are good, that we're clothed by the blood of Jesus, that we are robed with robes of righteousness, that our thoughts, our words, and our action are a display of your beauty that's attractive to this fallen world because you have done a beautiful work in our lives, in our hearts, in our families. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says, amen, amen, amen.